Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Welcome to season three, episode eighteen of the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Up top, we've got Mr. Stephen Watt. How you doing, Stephen? I'm broad, John. How's yourself? I am actually tickety boo this Are week. You? Absolutely yeah. tickety boo. A hundred percent. I'm a hunter. I'm a hunter. <laughs> There's a wee potential dialect dictionary entry, but more on that later. We've got a brilliant dialect dictionary entry this week. The main focus of this week's episode is it too early to say legend? Legend in the making? John, you were you were you were what I call Leeds United. <laughs> Definitely is, was. Rhyming slang for excited. We were both excited, but John was very excited. And you'll see when the recording, when we when we get to that bit of the episode, I've actually got my posh voice on <laughs> for, a wee, <laughs> for a wee bit, eh? and then I'm off a hundred. I'm off like Usain Bolt doing that hundred meter track, man. I couldn't have had myself back. However. Your young hearts run free guys got a wee bit gallus recently. There's another dialect dictionary. Uh-huh. Into a wee bit gallus after we'd spoken with Hamish Battle. Hamish spoke about um, supporting Kim Collison on his 24-hour Monroe attempt in July this year. And so when Hamish, Hamish's episode went out, um, Kim Collison was one of the persons that liked that tweet, I think. So uh-huh. we just latched right on to that and went, how's it going, Kim? <laughs> <laughs> Put a feeler out to Kim, asked if he wanted to come on. And you know what? He came back probably with, it was actually within 24 hours, he came back and said he'd be delighted to come on. So that's the big news this week. Um, our episode this week is with uh, Kim Collison. And it's, it is a belter, isn't it, Stephen? No, it's great. It's yeah, no, actually, yeah, I'm going to just leave it at that. It's great. It's well worth hanging on right to the end to listen to. Aye. But, you know, you know there's going to be another 10 or 12 minutes here of us doing shit and sawdust before you get to Kim. So. I know. It's like when you get to the cinema for the, the, the big movie and <laughs> you hate suffer all the shite. <laughs> <laughs> so we make no apologies for this because, well, this is our moment to shine <laughs> definitely definitely right we've got a wee we're getting structured now we've got like a wee mini agenda and on but i think we mentioned last week going to try and do some wrap-ups as well we mentioned last week that the conic canter was was happening i wasn't there but we know that young hearts run for listeners were well represented weren't they yeah yeah i i saw a lot of noise on the social media stuff from people who have now become familiar friends of the show on, on social media. So hats off to all those pioneers of the iconic car, because that's what you are now. Definitely. I, well, there will never again be another first iconic no. car. That's now in the past. It was also good to see the first ever sighting of the Young Hatters Run Free arm sleeves. Oh, they were, looking, they were looking absolutely brilliant. And, you know, well done to the person who, who managed to get those exclusives because they are priceless. Right. But, well, you say priceless, but coming to a merch store near you very, very soon. Now, as well as there being Young Hearts Run Free listeners, we had a Young Hearts Run Free guest host 
taking part in the old Connick canter last week, didn't we? We did. We had the legend that is Bob Turner running, representing the Young Hearts Run Free hosting team. <laughs> was, was we'll, take we'll take any. We'll take any. And it was a sounded like a reasonable morning out for, for Bob. Aye, let's just put some stats on it. Five hours, three minutes and two seconds. Bob did the 38 miles, Connick Canter in. To come home, numero uno. Bob smashed it. Um, yep. He was looking as fresh as a daisy at the end as well. Um, but yeah, very, very, very well done to Bob. And I, I think I, I commented on his Instagram post last week that he will, he will forever be the first winner of the Connick Canter. So fair play to him. Hopefully he'll come on and... Hopefully yeah. come on and hear a wee chat about it. I, I wouldn't mind that, Bob, if you came on and hear a wee chat about it, especially about your schwanking antics, which which, <laughs> which is more to be unveiled about top schwankering. Oh, this is getting out of hand, this schwanker stuff, right? Right. Also on that, we should also, I also want to say very well done to Maria Mott, who was the first female finisher as well. So that's both the Gents and the ladies, first finishers in the Connick Canter. Um, well you mentioned, well done to you. And well done to everybody that took part. It looked like it was a great day. Um, you know what else has been brilliant? On Facebook, I know I'm I'm getting back into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe too much. But loads of photographs for the Connick Canter. That's one of the things I love post-event. Seeing all these photos of folk. And all, some of them are posed, some are only. It's the ones I like with the grimaces. That's the ones I like. So... Yeah, it's good to see that coming back too. Um, part of our chat with Kim, Kim mentions mentions about Tor de Giants that we know that Debbie Martin Kinsani has done before. We never actually spoke to her that much about that. We got caught up in other things, I think, didn't we? Yeah, but, it, it, we definitely touched on it on one of our chats with, with Debbie, but yeah, probably didn't give it its full focus that it deserved. I think Debbie was heading back just so she gets back on. Can what I mean? But aye, aye, aye. Yeah, you do that. You save something back. So. Mind you, she's got her stickers now, so she might. That could be her. Maybe never see her again. <laughs> no, no, I'll track her. <laughs> um, but we should also say as well that another friend of the show, Ali Bevan, is out in Italy just now, taking part in Tour de Giants. So hopefully uh-huh. we'll hear from Ali again soon and see how we go on. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm interested to see how Ali got on because when he spoke to us do you know it was his I could tell that was his forthcoming focus um, so it'll be good to see how that experience has served him I'm sure that'll be an interesting and maybe a few funny stories oh, well <laughs> definitely there has been there has been on his journey to the race yeah, yeah. if you follow Ali on social media um, you'll be aware of what we're speaking about and if you're not go and find him on Twitter Ali Bevan is absolutely brilliant stuff that he puts up on social media. Now, can you give me, please, uh, Stephen Shoes Schwanker update? Last time we spoke, you obtained delivery of a brand new pair of shoes. You said you were going to go for them in a run that day. How did they feel? How did you go on? Well, I got them. I think I had worn them around the house when we spoke last time. I think so. Aye. And I was like bouncing about the house like Tigger. <laughs> Seriously, I was like doing sprints up and down the, the, the dining room going, woof, 
<laughs> you feel amazing. So I've worn them once now on a run and just to see how they feel. And they certainly feel different. They feel um, that unfamiliar feeling because I've been running in Brooks Ghosts for quite a long time, all the different iterations, and that's just what I've become comfy and familiar with, and I like them. Um, But this was to try and give me that extra edge, whether that's in my brain or in my legs, I don't know. Marginal gains. Marginal gains. Exactly that. So, yeah, so I went for a run with them, went for like five, six mile or run just to see how they felt. And yeah, they're, they take a little bit of getting used to because of that unfamiliar feeling because you do get a, a boost forward out of them. That's the only way I can explain it. Um, you do feel as if you're running on your tiptoes more than, than, than I'm used to. Have you had to change your, your gait a wee bit then? Well, I've purposely, I purposely tried not to do that because you know, two weeks on Sunday until I won the marathon. Um, last thing I want to do is change my gait, and then all of a sudden my Achilles flares up or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not, I'm not trying to change my gait, but you definitely get a rock forward out of them and a, a feeling of a, a propulsion almost. So, yeah, all those people who have been using them, I, I, I definitely would say you are cheating. Okay. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm, I'm only joking. <laughs> Listen, I am well up for any forward propulsion help that is within the legal bounds of running that I can lay my hands on. I compare it to like, you know, golf clubs that can hit the ball a wee bit further, or you know, a tennis racket that can hit the ball a bit harder, or it's a bit lighter or something like that. Do you know, it's just so science, isn't it? Well, I and it's also a really, do you know what they've been? These type of trainers with the carbon plate in and the big stack and things like that, they've been okayed by the, the world governing bodies. Um, so people who are using them are, 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 you know, it's like Formula One cars, you know. You're going to use anything that is to your advantage to give you a wee bit of an edge over the opposition. So, yeah, fingers crossed they work for me. And when you line up at London, everybody is the opposition. Okay, brilliant. Okay, I'm sure there'll be more London updates. Well, yeah. So are the shoes back in the box, are they? They are back in the box, and they've got the kind of little thing to keep them in shape. They're all back in and stuff like that. So, you know, because I'm thinking, could these get punted on eBay still? Mm. (laughs) As long as it's a nice day in London, you could probably punt them afterwards. You know, Ah, as long as it's dry. Signed, signed. (laughs) There you go. Maybe we'll make that available at Young Hearts Run Free, an auction, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) okay you know what let's talk again about um actual feet on the ground running last week you gave us an update about the octorada running festival and then hot on the heels of that the big one for me the chili the chili tell us all about the chili man the chili is our local in octorada mixed terrain trail route which is called the chili because the GPS map that it creates resembles that of a chili pepper. Um, and it's become really, really loved, especially by people who run in this area. But now, as we've shared it by others as well, because it's got a wee bit of, a wee bit of everything in it. It's got a, 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 some testing uphills, some really, really fun downhills, wee bit of tarmac, a wee kick in the tail at the end. 
it's yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's a, it's a fantastic route, and it's ten kilometres long. So it's you know it's no that long that you think oh the hills are going to go on forever and absolutely destroy me. Although the hills are testing, once you've yeah. climbed the hills, the the good fun is then ahead of you. Um, it's it's a brilliant route and it's got a little bit of I don't know a bit of a magnet to it because of this chilly brand and that a lot a local lad um, who's been on the show Frank McGaffney is the yep. a bit of the founding father of this route it was him who kind of started running it and calling it the chilly um, so in 2019 we launched as part of our local Ochtard Run Festival the Chilly Trail Race and. So the first running of that was 2019, and it was it went really really well. It was brilliant, really popular, done in the right spirit. It, um, it's competitive, but but fun, you know. And it's for right. everybody. It's no case of oh, I can't run it because I can't run up hills. Well, if you can't come up run hills, come run the chilly and and see that you actually can, or actually can't. But it's okay to walk up the hills. And testament to that, I done it last year. You did. So I done it last year. I also went through the water twice. There's a couple of water crossings that you there is. you can choose to push out of that, or you can choose to batter right through it. So that's up to yourself. Yeah, there you is. There's, a, there's certainly in the forest trail part of it downhill. There's about a mile, mile and a half stretch through a, a forest, and that's the downhill. And you know, it's like you know, trees zooming past you, and there's two burn crossings. Mm-hmm. That, you know, kind of like splash zones, but you do have an option of taking the bridge or the to, to avoid them. But yeah, yeah, and that, but that we that run through the forest, it's worth it for that. It's absolutely brilliant. If the weather's good for you, it's a, it can be a fantastic time. Yeah. You had a good, you had a good turnout for that last year, though. It was for really the, popular last year, wasn't it, the chili? Yeah, for the hybrid sort of one that we did last year during yeah. lockdown. Yeah, we called it was we ran it during the month of December last year and we called it I think the Chilly Chilly the Chilly Chilly um, and yeah there was about 700 or so people came and ran it in Ochtarada just during the month of December at a time and that suited them when, and they could just submit their time as evidence through a, a timing website um, that we use but 2021 heralds the return of the actual chilly trail race like people getting together to race and that's exciting excuse me a minute that's my herald yeah that's a klaxon isn't it conch a conch (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's happening saturday the 6th of november is the date for your diaries 11 o'clock start so so you can even go and run a park run before it and then come and do the chilly trail race and join the fun. It'll be, it was a really, really good atmosphere last time. A little bit different from a, a road race, maybe a, a, a more relaxed and a bit more about fun. Um, but also at the sharp end, it was, there was a very competitive race. So it'll be good to see how that pans out again um, this year. Last year, it was James Waldy, who's the operations manager at Active Route, who won the event, um, the, the, the the virtual event, and his time stands as a course record around the Chile, and it was pretty pretty special. So it'll be good to see if that is also um, knocked off its mm. perch. Um, but yeah, and the big news, the big news. One, entries are open now for the Chile, so come to Ochtarada, run the Chile Trail Race, hey, a magic time. And two, 
Young Hearts mm. Run 3 are getting involved. Yes, here we, we go. We are getting involved. John <laughs> um, has offered his services, as he's done in the past, to um, compare the event and be on the mic. And if you've ever witnessed John on the mic at an event, then yeah, that is it's worth it for that alone. Definitely, definitely. And you know what? I'm going to go back to the episode we had a couple of weeks ago with Debbie and Nikki when Debbie hosted, and they were talking about the Irish guy at the Anglo-Celtic plate. Well, you know yes. what? He might be the benchmark, but I'm going to smash you the water. <laughs> you want to come along and get ripped as you finish the chili? Get in there, and I'll be waiting for you. Welcome you home. So, Aye, and I'll be on the merch stall. <laughs> Ah, we've got it covered. We've got it covered. <laughs> no, wouldn't it be great to um, see some listeners along at the Chili Trail race? Aye, definitely. And you know what? I'm going to say as well, there's also a wee sneaky chance that you can win a place. If you go along to the, keep me right, Octorada Running Festival on Instagram, if you like and share and tag somebody, then you can actually go in the, the draw yep. to win a place. Yep, that's on the Facebook page and Instagram page that that wee competition's running just now and it entries close on Friday when evening when this episode goes out. So if you're doing that, get on it. Um, we can stick all the links up to that on the, the thingy. And the medals and snoods, buffs and everything like that that everybody gets for crossing the, the finish line are, are, are DOS. Aye, pretty special. I'll be wearing them. I'll, I'll hit it buying though. You get in for your race, your race entry. I'll hit you buying. I'll be wearing it. <laughs> buying my ass. <laughs> so that's the chili. And you know what? It's a, it will be a special event. It's great. Racing's back. The chili's back. The chili's back. I know. First race since the chili in November 2019. So two years to get back together racing, yeah. saying hi at you folk and, you know, Doing that awkward, nervous thing at a start line when the compare asks you to say to cheer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. What else is happening? That's a chilly. Entry Central. Go grab an entry. Any support Aye. for that event would be awfully appreciated as well. I would I would like just to just give a wee nod to Rocket Events. They did a wee th- and one especially one one new thing that I've noticed that they're doing. I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I've only got one of their things to do, and that's Glenmore 24. Yeah, ever. They've now added a short Great Glen. You've got two things today. Aye, so they're, although I've done the Great Glen, but they've now got this shorting, which is a different event, uh-huh. which is a 42-mile gig from Fort Augustus to Inverness. So if you feel the 70 miles is a wee bit too much for you, or you want to do something that's sort of just a wee bit... A bridge. Aye, a bridge in there, so the the 42-mile one is available. That opens on Friday night, 9 o'clock, or the 17th of uh, September, 9 o'clock as well. So, Is um, it run on the same day as the Great Glenway? Yes, it's on the, yeah. I think, so it's the 2nd of July next year. Right, so, okay, aye. it's no an alternative date or anything like that, it's just using the same uh, no. race day infrastructure and stuff like that. And yeah. they've also got their Glen Lyon weekend when they do the Glen Lion Ultra on the Saturday, the fourth of June, and they do the trail race, which I think is like is it a fifteen mile trail race? Yes. I think they do that's on the fifth of June, which is my wedding anniversary, so I'll not be at that. 
because my wife's got nothing to do with running. No time for it, she says. <laughs> oh, and also, I noticed I heard murmurings of another rocket event, new oh. event in 2022. Details, TBC. That oh, means to be confirmed, I think. Aye, that's, is that the East Enders moment? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, Jack, have you got any more about that? Well, it's, it's, it's a last last one standing backyard ultra so yeah oh, young hearts run free i've that. got to be in that we've got to get to that man well if graham connelly's going to that's the type of thing that that, that he'll rock up to so he's a man we take he's smash we take smash him so yeah let's let's do oh, it put stickers on his car no one <laughs> 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 okay listen let's get to the main event shall we we've been going on uh-huh. anything else we need to speak about Nothing that can't wait. Let's get Kim in about yeah. it. So our main event, main bit of the episode this week, as we alluded to at the start, is speaking with the fantastic Kim Collison. We speak about Kim's um, love of the rounds, I think, in Britain. We speak a wee bit about some of his stuff abroad, but not, not too much. But I think the main focus is really his 24-hour Monroe challenge that he did in July this year. So hopefully you will enjoy this as much as we did when we recorded it. So, Stephen, yeah. you want to get Kim in? Yeah, let's get Kim in. A man who it will become very obvious as we get through the we interview who absolutely adores running. So, yeah, I think that's the door now, John. Welcome to Young Hearts Run Free podcast, Kim Collison. How are you doing tonight, Kim? I'm doing great. Um, had a good day, um, a bit of running and a bit of strength and conditioning, and now I'm ready to talk to you guys. Right, we're in there already. <laughs> a bit of running and strength and conditioning. I want to just very briefly talk about strength and conditioning. What strength and conditioning have you done today? Today I went to Penrith Gym and I kind of tried to touch on five or six different areas. So. I kind of go through something with a pull, something with a push, um, a squat, a some form of like deadlift or a hinge activity, some sort of single leg, um, either like a reverse lunge or a step up or a combination. And uh, what was the last one? Perhaps some form of carry. And I, and I try and hit those areas, keep it simple. Um, and at the moment, I'm trying to do a bit of heavier lifting again post sort of end of season and trying to put myself back together um, again. You've had a big year, haven't you? You've had a big year. So um, can I also say that you're the kind of guy that I stay away from in the gym when you're doing all that kind of stuff. I'm at the other end on the run, on the bike doing something like that or on the elliptical with a big bottle of water. But you know what? It's brilliant. We often speak about, we often speak about this, about using different muscle groups. And you, that's obviously what you're trying to do is to get in amongst them all. Yeah. So, and you know John, what? This is, John, John, I'm yeah. going to Where was the last time you were in a gym? <laughs> I, go to, I go to the Mother Nature's gym, Stephen. <laughs> I've got a set of dumbbells in my garage. <laughs> that's about it. No, I don't, I don't go to a gym. And I was actually quite surprised that when Kim was talking about going to a gym. I don't know. It's, <laughs> Stephen throws up. It might have been a ball or a moon. I'm not quite sure what it was. <laughs> but, you know what? People as well will be quite surprised. Very rarely do Young Hearts Run Free podcasts go right into training specificity. <laughs> We're normally talking about 
beans on toast by this time. But I just yeah. thought it was good. We, we did speak about it before we started, about strength and conditioning. I mentioned it. And I just think it's certainly something I need to, and I'm going to include Stephen, needs to get better at as well. So that's a hell of a workout, I think, that sounds like you had to do. Don't get me wrong, I, I look like a, a runner in a gym, you know, amongst all the big build bodybuilders, and that's why I go really early to avoid the uh, big guy who, <laughs> yeah. who makes like, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a little weight here, and this feels really hard, and they're, they're just doing it with their bicep curls with the same weight. <laughs> My whole body weight. Um, it's I'd, not... love to, I'd love to see one of them running up a Munro though, because that yeah, would be well, that would be the the yeah. polar opposite of what you've experienced in there. John actually made the podcast sound quite serious during that first segment there, which do you know I I am I'm all for John. I think we need to turn this round and become more serious, but um, we'll, we'll we'll soon we'll soon get off that tangent. Kim. Too much too soon, maybe too much yeah. too soon. You know, well, let me bring it, let me, no back down to earth, but let me start, maybe normally start, and that would be, Kim, if we could get a wee picture about what inspired your passion for running. Did you run as a kid? Did you run at school? And what, also a question that I keep meaning to ask everybody, but I keep forgetting, what does running do for you? So, there you go. I've machine gunned about four questions. Take your pick. Okay. Well, it, it, it gives me a big smile on my face, you know, that feeling of when you go out for a run and it doesn't matter how bad you feel when you may be set off, usually most times once you finish your run, you come back with a, that feeling of goodness about you. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a bad run or a good run or a flowing, you always come back feeling good and have a smile on your face. And sometimes it's just a bit bigger than other days. So it's, it's, it's for me, it just helps with that well-being is a large part of it or kind of why run that's one 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 reason obviously the competition and that side and then the challenge is another reason I like to push myself as a as a kid I yeah. ran a lot ran a lot uh, I, I wasn't very coordinated although I like playing five-a-side football and you know I, I was always the one trying to scab a, a touch at the end when we're playing world cups and you know to try and get through the game you know there was there was no uh, skill yeah. there at all but I could run a lot at that stage and get in the way of a lot of people shooting goals so it was always a good good thing and so eventually I found out I was quite good at running um, and endurance my dad did the London Marathon and I always remember watching him do that and inspiring me to go out running with him so it was always something that we used to do together as a kid growing up and, um, you know, quite long distance runs for, for a, a young boy. And I developed that joy of running in the trails, running in the countryside and, and just developing that. Uh, in terms of idols, I, I always remember, actually, it just comes to me, it's the first time I've remembered for a long time. Uh, do you ever remember Chris Akabusi? Yeah, the 400 yeah. meter runner. Yeah, yep. so he came to our school, and I just remember oh, us going there and getting our photos with with them, and and I remember having that like picture for years of me of about 12 or 13, or maybe even a bit like younger, um, with a photo of Chris Akabusi, and and then watching them uh, in the TV and thinking, okay, 
you know those, those characters inspire you you were talking about Laura Muir and how she was inspired as a young child and how that passed on to the next generation you know and it's the same now hopefully I'm inspiring some new generation as well oh without a doubt and you know it's again it's perfect timing it's an Olympic year and I think Chris Akabusi, Commonwealth Olympics, did that. It is amazing the impact that people have. And just, it's funny, just last night, Ailey McCogan ran the Great North Run, finished second on Sunday, just past there. Shout out to Ailey. If you want to come on, give us a shout, no problem. But what, a friend of our, a friend of the show, Bob Turner, had his daughter at a track thing last night where Ailey McCogan was speaking. And there was a photograph, just, just as you're describing, of Bob and his daughter and Ailey McCogan in there. So it is amazing that photograph. Stephen, you got any photographs with MD Famous? Me, I've got one of you when you finished me and you at the end of the West Highland Way race. <laughs> that was my favourite. That inspires no, me daily. Any sporting people except present company? Um, Just just random St Johnston players through the years. Oh, uh, and Kenny Dugleish. Well, I was going to say, mine's is Kenny Dalglish. That's, that's my favourite photograph, me and, me and Kenny, or Kenny and me, should I say. Yeah, brilliant. Anyway, sorry, digressing that, already. Yeah, apologies. Um, but thank you very much for that, Kim. Now, you mentioned Chris Akebusi, but you also mentioned running with your dad and doing stuff. Did you ever do any track stuff yourself? Not really. I never, other than doing a few at school, you know, every summer you had to do some track and it was a grass track and you ran around it and I mean it was pretty average but it didn't inspire me. I occasionally did go to the local athletics club in in Hemel Hempstead however it wasn't didn't create that excitement for me it was always running out in the countryside in, in nature on trails on the hills with a head torch and that a thing for me. Cool so and reading through as we do our thorough research for this podcast, Kim, reading through your blog or your blogs and race reports of places that you've been, you've been you've been fortunate enough to run in quite a, some of the fantastic places in the world. Where would you say is your favourite place to run? I was thinking that well, I was watching the Tour de Jean and I was thinking actually Cormier um, is just an amazing place to run from. Um, just going either direction on like the UTMB route and you're looking at the back of the Grand Jurassic or the back of Mont Blanc and and it's beautiful trails and and alpine pastures it's it's, it's a really nice place but then living in the Lake District it's it's just marvellous every day um all the different areas of the Lake District it's it's small it's compact compared to the vastness of Scotland but you, you can run up and down a mountain in an hour and and get some fantastic views, be back home for your, your tea. Uh, so either either call me air or here home in the Lake District. And can I just confirm, you can run up a hill and down in an hour. Not everybody, not everybody can do that. And you know what? In the last few weeks, I had uh, I tested positive for COVID, so I was isolating at home, right? Fine now, hunky-dory now, so if you see me out and about, all is good. But... I became obsessed with watching things about the Lake District on the telly, on iPlayer. <laughs> I don't because social media. I, oh, I became obsessed with it because although you're saying it's small and compact, man, it's just absolutely beautiful. 
you know, and I will come on to speak about the Lake District because Steve and I have got, we've now got history there. But um, I had my eyes opened to a different kind of Lake District than I remember in my life in July this year. However, before we go there, I need to speak, I need, I just, I need to throw Scotland in, right? You've got a fair bit of history running in Scotland. And I noticed looking through your race history that you've ran a race that Stephen, Stephen and I always like to bring it back to us, okay? Oh, yeah. But you've ran, you've ran a race, or you've been on the course that Stephen and I have both done, not the same year, but you did the Highland Fling in 2016, right? Yeah. yeah. And what I'm going to just have a wee look, going to open the results up. All I'm going to do, Stephen, is mention the first seven finishers, right? Uh-huh. And the Highland Fling in 2016. First was Donnie Campbell. Second was Damien Hall. Third was our guest tonight, Kim Collison. Fourth was Robbie Britton. Fifth was Owen Lennon. Sixth was Jez Bragg. And seventh was an up-and-coming young runner, Elizabeth Pascal, who finished first lady that year, right? But that is some pedigree of runners in there, isn't it? Yeah, don't forget Joe Simmons was running that year as well. I'll have to scan them. I don't know. <laughs> There's too many. Not, but he was there. Right. Okay. Absolutely brilliant. So, but there is a, a real pedigree of runners. In Starsta there. did, eh? Oh, man. What's that term you use? A stacked field, Stephen. A stacked. A stacked field. However, there's Wait, not did you been do a flying, John. I was a year before that. I laid the trail for these guys. However, I was probably at least double the time. <laughs> they did it in. But you know what? What I was eager to look for was full West Highland Way. Is that something you've ever thought about? No, uh, it's not mountainous enough for me to, to appeal. It's like you, you've got all these big Monroes and mountains around. And so, like, and then you just run and weave your way through them. And like, I just want to go and run up the top of the mountain. Like the Benko skyline appeals to be much more than the West Highland Way. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. I think it's um we had a guy, Grant McDonald, on and he he said the same when we were speaking to him about Wakeland fifty and Wakeland hundred. Exactly the same. Saying he did it he did the fifty but he wasn't interested in doing the hundred because when he was doing the fifty he was just sort of going, I want to be up there. Yeah. And that sounds really similar yeah definitely because i always like to experience races so it could you know a few years down the line be move up up the list i want to ask you a quick question is that okay john because you're you've been absolutely battering the questions and they come here listen man when we get people on i'm and i'm <laughs> ah, you better go you better go yeah he gets excited kim um <laughs> So do you remember what the question was now? I do remember because I jotted it down. So you said that you were inspired by your dad in doing the London Marathon and stuff. Have you ever done a road marathon? No, I haven't. You know, never, never really interested. Oh, I have done in training, just like yeah. a, a marathon, but not a not an official, official. Course, not for a time. No. There you go. That, that was that was all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well. I'm sure you'll have plenty more to say, Stephen, once I get into this, because you, between us, you are the hill runner, Stephen. Well, between us. <laughs> between us, you are the hill runner. <laughs> right. When I say between us, 
I'm looking at my son. I am excluding Kim from this conversation. Between us, you are the hill runner. I look at my seven-year-old son and I say, between you and John, we man, you're the hill runner. (laughs) (laughs) But Stephen's got a passion for the hills. He loves the hills. And um, a good friend of Stephen's, one of his running pals, Davey Wallace, had a wee adventure in the hills earlier in the year that will relate exactly what we're going to speak about in the next yeah. wee while. But what, you've obviously, you've just mentioned there, Kim, about preferring to be going up the way. And you've obviously, and we'll go into more detail on this, but what pricked your interest in the big rounds, if you like? And we'll explain what the rounds are, but what, when did that passion start for you? Uh, I guess the, the big rounds would have been inspired by, by my dad again in the sense we were living down in Hertfordshire that's where I'm originally from and I went to the local running club called Tring Running Club and then there was a group of four of them that decided that they were going to go and do the Bob Graham um, from down in Hertfordshire where there's no big mountains and you know there's a couple in the club that had already done it and had expelled the joys of it um, so Four of them went round uh, and got round in under 24 hours. And so it was always in the, wow, this is the Bob Graham round. And you, you hear stories of it and coming back. So once I moved to the Lake Districts, it was like, oh, what's this Bob Graham round? And that was going to be high up on the list. So within a year or a year and a half of coming to the Lake Districts, I'd done the Bob Graham round. Um, to, to emulate my uh, my dad and that kind of sparked oh this is this is what big rounds are about um, and then that's just progressed over the years to several Bob Grahams um, and Monroes and, and, and Paddy Buckley's and, and things. Right Stephen this is over to you to explain the big rounds in the UK you happy to do that? <laughs> well I'll I, but I, I don't want to. Um, yes, I'm happy to do that. Oh, we've so, got somebody here that can keep us right. Well, keep keep me right. So um, yeah, the, 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 there's basically the, the big ones: Scotland, England, Wales, and Paddy Buckley being the Welsh equivalent of the Bob Graham round, and um, then the Ramsey round in Scotland. And that's I, I think that there's a lot of other rounds that 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 those three are the most well known. Is that fair to say, Kim? Yeah, the 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 big three, as they're called, the ones that out of the, out of those three, what one's got the most ascent in it? What or do you know what's it? The Paddy Buckley, I think, has got the most ascent. Is it? It's got a bit more than the other two, yeah. Yeah, and I think but, we can we can put links in to the sort of general information about it. But generally, is, do they all start and stop at the same place. I know there's Moot Hall in Keswick, isn't there? They do. I know it's around, Stephen. I know it's right. a fucking the, the YHA. <laughs> oh, is it the Nevis Youth Hostel in yep. Port William? Yeah. Actually, the, the paddy, you can start anywhere you want, but it's still, you've got to finish at the same point. Okay. So it's slightly different from the others. So some yeah. people start from Clamberis and others start from Capel Keurig and, and, any, any of the road crossings. Mm, didn't realise that. And again, there are YouTube videos, hundreds of hours to watch about the rounds, and that's the sort of stuff that I just get. People talk about going down a rabbit hole on YouTube. That's where I go into all this sort of stuff. Um, it's absolutely they're, brilliant. They're really inspiring because anyone that 
trains really well for a few years and in in the mountains can inspire to do especially the Bob Graham that it's it's an achievable because the goal is to do it within 24 hours you know and, and the records were just just under 13 hours so it's you've got a margin from being the the Killian Jones and the Finley Wilds to to the everyday person who's who's put a lot of effort and training in can uh-huh. still but it's still a very very tough challenge mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those that people think yeah I can do that and and develop that joy and passion and, and give it a go yeah and there's all different variations isn't it there's unsupported there's supported there's double rounds people do double rounds there's there's winter rounds there's all different connotations isn't there yeah uh, lots of lots of variety and ways to try and make it a little bit more harder or challenging and um once once you've done the the standard type round then <laughs> the standard <laughs> setting new new records and challenges can i ask maybe it's a silly question did they have to be all done in the same direction is it going to be clockwise or can you go either way no you can go either way I think same for all of them you can, as long as you start and finish at the same point and visit all the defined tops on the round then, okay. then you can go either way yeah that'll be the this will be the moment if Ali Bevan listens to the podcast that he'll shake his head and go he's a fucking idiot when he's listening to me saying that because you've got to go the same way so um, John I think that was a good question Ali well, thank you like on the Bob Graham most people go clockwise um but there is a few that will still go anti-clockwise. Does doing the Bob Graham clockwise put Skidaw last? Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen those Hitler videos of um, on YouTube? There's one for the Bob Graham. With oh, the, the sort of the mock ones with the mock, mock one, and someone's done one for the Bob Graham, and it basically says. Yeah, you, you've got to watch it. It's just really, really funny for okay. anyone that wants to go anti-clockwise. It tells you why not to, and it's about Skidor. Why would you want to do Skidor at the end? <laughs> yeah. And all the like. It's, it's quite good. Okay. I, I'm glad that's where the Hitler videos went to, because I was yeah. starting to get like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's that the sort of, in the sort of, the war room type thing. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the war room. We'll see if we can find that. We can stick that uh-huh. in the show notes as well. That we can find that link. Brilliant. Now, a lot of the stuff that you do in the, these rounds, and we'd mentioned earlier we had Hamish Battle on, and we were Hamish was discussing the the twenty four hour Monroe attempt, but I'm not wanting to go into that yet. But having a coup together, how does that happen? Have you got the biggest phone book in the UK, or do you have contacts all over the place uh, i guess you develop contacts and, and a, an ability to ask people and and people ask people their friends mm-hmm. uh, for me uh, you know i'm quite an introvert really so it's one of those harder things to ask people and then get off because you, you know sometimes you don't want to ask that that question come and help me but then you go right, right, i want to do this round so i've, I've got to do it and then you start putting feelers out and asking old friends and who can who can do it. And then you you ask uh, Ali, do you know anyone <laughs> that's local? And 
and then you get uh, on Facebook, someone sees you're up there wrecking, um, like Richard Bannister goes, yeah, I, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, do you know anyone? And so that brings in his friend and, and, and so on. You kind of develop and it grows. Yeah. Uh, especially for records, you know, people want to be part of it often and, and, and help. So it's, 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 yeah, it's a difficult one. I think but you hit the, got the nail on the head. People want to be, you know, helping and contributing towards that success because they'll get that feel good factor off it as well, um, and it just snowballs. I suppose that's what you're saying. It's just like, you know, and I, you know I'm really helping other people on their Bob Grahams or rounds. Of, you know, I've supported many a leg and, and rounds yep. of, of different levels of runner, and it's just great to see you know that smile and that achievement when they get round that you've been part of their their journey to make it possible and and that's part of the spirit of the rounds really is is the help that you get um and, it, and it's a good way for people to you know build up to their own rounds is, is come and see it help out their legs learn the legs see what it's really like when you're on the final leg and you're really suffering and it's hard work and it's and it's your quads are sore and and you're not breathing very well and that that's normal uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so on so uh, it's, it's yeah, almost, almost like a recce for their own attempt so they're, yeah. they're almost wrecking and but not just wrecking the route but also the yeah the behaviors and the suffering Aye, it's exactly that Stephen. the the purgatory is one of the words that we use regular you know and i think it's that suffering and the emotional how you're feeling. But you know what? We say this a lot, and this is probably one of the, if our listeners play bingo, this is a big one, but we we speak about the ultra running community quite a lot. And that, this just typifies what we're speaking about. And I think it's great as well that you're saying, Kim, that you'll go and support other people on their rounds. I know I'm going to do a wee bit of a name drop as well, but like people like Nikki Spinks goes out and helps people when they're doing their rounds too and it must be such an inspiration when you've got people like Nicky Spinks or people like yourself coming along and saying yeah I'll, I'll jump in for a leg let's give it a go you know so I think it's really good because I know again I notice in my rabbit hole adventures watching these um, round attempts you see the same people popping up they're happy to be there you know and it's just really I, I find that really quite humbling like got, actually like they've got a season ticket yeah, season ticket to the lakes. Awesome. <laughs> a box seat. Brilliant. Absolutely awesome. Um, can we talk about food now, Stephen? Oh, well, it's taken us some time, probably. It's a record for the. We're on the, what, the 58. What episode are we on? 58? Yes. 58th episode, and that is as long as we've not spoken about food ever. So let's. <laughs> talk food we're going to go serious food well it's up to kim yeah let's go fuel what's your favorite (laughs) (laughs) of course yeah post post race fueling pre-race and uh and during as well it's very important you know carb source a bit of fat a bit of salt um, and, it, and it makes a nice break from gels and sugar. Mm-hmm. What would you have if you're going to be started? Let's just talk about maybe that Monroe record that we'll 
I've been putting her off, but we're there now. We're going to speak about it, right? 33 Monroe's in less than 24 hours. Quite a phenomenal, a new record that you sat, sat set in July this year. What? <laughs> I can't, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I've just spoke in a sentence about that record. And I'm going to say, what did you eat before you started? <laughs> That's my question. That's my first question. What did you have in your belly before you started that? Uh, would have been a bit of porridge. Would be is always my morning fuel. Usually pre-soaked, and then and then then eating cold um, rather than hot. Right. Okay. What time did you and start again? Did you start? So what was it? Uh, was it four or five or six? It was six a.m. Six a.m. Okay. And. Is, is it normal for you to be up and running at that time? What I'm trying to try and try to go with this is: Did you do something? You doing something different, or is that the sort of time you'd be up and about anyway? Yeah, six a.m. is kind of a normal time to be running for me, or can be. So I'm not. I'm used to that time. I've, other rounds, I've started at three in the morning, and that's a little bit unusual. Trying to get yourself up, food, awake, and, and going, I'm revved up at that time. But six is kind of a a regular pattern and kind of that's partly why I chose that that time as well. Mm-hmm. Mine would be about one in the afternoon. I'm going to spend a wee bit of time just there. We'll come back to food. That's, that would be a recurring theme. We'll come back to that. But how long was the planning of your 24 hour Manu attempt? The planning, maybe six weeks or so. It was it was post post Paddy Buckley in April and then and then all that time between Paddy to, to Monroe's that was the, the planning window of to be honest, I obviously had been thinking about it earlier in the year. I'd watched uh, Sasha um, and Ali Masson on on the Carnefi site and mm-hmm. doing their talk about the thirty two Monroe's record and their experience of it and, and I loved how they just went and well, I, I think we can do that and, and cracked on with it and so it's like okay that's that's definitely one I would like to explore and see if I can add that top that they missed um, so it was always at the back of my mind but it wasn't until after the Paddy Buckley that I went okay what do I need to know for this um, and, and then I go, it's a week wrecking. so Paddy Buckley was in April yeah, yeah? 47 peaks in the Paddy Buckley Roughly 60 miles ish. Yeah. That's not yeah. a lot of time between April and July. What, where I'm going with that, Kim, is what's your recovery like after doing something like the Paddy Buckley? Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place here, but I'm interested in that. Actually, I was surprised that I recovered fairly well. It seemed that it was an effort, but I hadn't gone to the deep well of. of uh-huh emotions and drawing every you know last ounce of energy out to have to get the time so you know with a good couple weeks of easy running and and rest I was able to ramp the training back up and and specifically focus um on the the Monroes and and a bit more hiking and uh, steadier running and 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 just carry the fitness over that I developed for the paddy and, and and it wasn't trying to get faster. I was just trying to maintain that fitness to to the Monroes, which I 
did fairly well. Yeah, definitely. See, see, as part of that planning for the Monroes, that the route that you took was also going to be key and local knowledge and studying OS maps or I, I, I don't know. Or was there was there already that route in your mind based upon previous attempts was it or did you have a bit of creative yes, the, license a lot of it was um following the route that the other guys had done before right and and then going right what do i need to know on that route and try to split it down and learn as much of it as i could from from time on the ground but uh-huh. it's very difficult to run into them the Cairngorms and cover the the tops and then do it in a reasonable amount of time. So I I probably managed to explore about 60% of the round. And and then then I was relying a lot on local knowledge um, as well, picking picking the guys that live there, that know the area, that had some degree of, right, this is where we go. So I could just link in and follow. Uh, that what really made the difference was having um, Ali um, Al Hubbard, who's like member of Braemar Mountain Rescue, and another big Scottish ultra runner. I think he just came in top ten at Dragon's Back uh, last week. So having him on the last leg in the dark, um, in the mist and the rain, was crucial to be able to just go kind of switch off. He knows where he's going. He can have it. And, and follow so that helped and then with, with GPS devices you can create your own GPX and traces that kind of acts as a, a backup as well and, yeah. and then you use the recipes to help fine-tune that on on OS maps to okay that's where the trod is let's try and get it onto the trod rather than drawing a straight line that looks right because uh-huh. there's a lot of rough terrain up in the the Monroes and if you get the trod it's it's ten minutes quicker than than missing yeah. it. Yeah. Like you're on I've, the motorway. I've never yeah. heard that term before. The trod. I have never heard that. See, there's, there's, there's my uh, word from from the Lake District. Ah, there trod. you go, man. Here you go, trod. A sheep. Come on, John. I didn't spend enough time in the hills. There you go. Have you never oh, spoke to Dave Turner for anything more than five minutes? That, that's no. a call, a, co- a, a mutual colleague, uh, John and I. He's a keen hill runner, and mm-hmm. yeah, he often gets talks trods. I'm but, very, I'm very keen though. You, you said that you'd had the chance to do about sixty percent of it, so you're putting a lot of faith in people for the other forty percent, and I'm assuming a lot of it is not going to be in good visibility all the time you know so and so when you set out with that with that mindset because 24 hours isn't a long time now let me just give you some of the the stats here it's run about 100 miles that you you covered in 24 hours now that's enough kim right 100 miles in 24 hours 33 monroes and i've had to check this because i know that ali will be on my case a monroe is a mountain over 3,000 feet Right, they're currently, according to my research tonight, 282 of them because I got pulled up on that before. But you did, you covered 33 Monroe tops in under 24 hours. Um, 
what's your what's the highs and well i'm not talking about the the, the height of the mountains but what's kim collison's highs and lows in there what was the experience like for you uh i mean the highs were great when you're fresh and bouncy and you're running over those first few monroes and and, and you're going because you're tapered and you're you're psyched for it and and your legs and, you, and you're with Cinco um and he's full of enthusiasm so you're chatting away and you're, and you're with Hamish and and he's on his longest run ever and and it's, it's all like, like great and then and then you're like leaving Hamish oh right where's Hamish so you, you know you're on good form when when you're leaving someone like Hamish behind and uh, Cross, cross his local mountains and you think right this is this is a great day uh, and then you get up onto the the high highest tops of like uh, is it Ben McDewey and you, and you just look out across the view and it was at that stage so there was nice views and a bit of cloud and and then it was great and there was a lot of people out there enjoying it as well and then people like cheering you on and, and like they've seen what you're doing and and that was a real high and, and then getting to meet new people as well. There's some of these runners I've never met before and you know, meeting them in the valley on the hill was the first time I met them. And that, that was a great part. The you, the awe, sense of awe is a huge part of that round for me was that sense of exploration and being in real wilderness that, you know, when you're out there, you're just in, these big mountains in the middle of nowhere and it's it's fantastic uh the hard bits is when it gets hard because <laughs> there's there's no let up because because it is first three monos in 24 hours you, you can't sit down and have a break and twiddle your thumbs and then eventually that feeling of freshness disappears there's no bounce in your legs anymore and and running is just hard and so it becomes that battle of body telling you you've got to slow down and stop and and that but your mind telling you I've got to keep doing this because I want to break this record and you keep going and you keep pushing and then then eventually the hardest bit was the last leg I mean the rain had come in a few hours earlier but then with the darkness and the mist and the clag you couldn't see like more than 10 meters in front of you and the head torches are beaming back all that mist and the fog and then my stomach started to reject food so I was kind of trying to force a gel down and five minutes sort of later dry heaving it back up and and, and you're fighting that sort of desire real strong desire that you want to quit <laughs> that you're not going to make it and and your body's telling you really really you've got to stop now but you still got time so you keep you find that internal so you always have that internal dialogue with yourself um to, to carry on that you know, some real real low points and I think the lowest point comes back to food I think I was halfway through the final leg in the middle of the night maybe about three in the morning and suddenly I, I had a bonk real reached the top turned around came down about 100 meters sat down and went give me pizza <laughs> had a pizza slice and then oh someone I've, I've got a, a chocolate um what do you call the chocolate crepe that, that's going down as well and literally just getting that food in having a minute just to digest that and then I was back on and switched again and that just was the kind of the lowest low point but it was enough to trigger right I'm back in the game 
Uh, and then, then the round was finished. The daylight had come up and we're coming to the top of the last mountain, Loch Nagar. And then there's this stag right by the summit. Um, and we're just so looking over the view, the top, the stag. And you're just like, yes, I'm going to do this. I've got time. And, and that was just like that was those moments of nature moments that you get um, are brilliant. Yeah. Well, what a great account. I, I loved listening to that, Kim. Um, and I know exactly what you mean by just that little moment of when everything just kind of all the stars align. That's what it sounds like at, at the top of um, Loch Nagar when that happened. Thank you for, for sharing that. That was really, really good. I like mostly the fact though that pizza saved the day. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my questions actually was going to be, what because probably should say is you completed the round in twenty three hours and forty eight minutes, right? So it's quite staggering to do. We should say well done, absolutely well done. But thank you. Twelve minutes out of twenty four hours isn't a lot of time. You know, that's no, quite, that's, that's quite, quite it really yeah. is, you know, when, when you're suffering and the time's ticking down and you're losing a little bit of margin on each mountain top and you think, am I going to make this? And, and it was not until the last few kilometers that you realize that you've just, you've got enough. It was, what's, yeah. what's 12 minutes? It's not, maybe it's, it's a mile nice. when you're that naked. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. not a lot. Definitely. Finish. But I was going to, it is definitely that, Stephen, yeah, because my, my question I've written down is, when did you know that you were going to do it? But the way you've described that mountaintop and the, the stag's a bonus, a real bonus, isn't it? To celebrate yeah, that. I think the last, you know. last, last top was the kind of, uh, I've got a cushion, I've run this leg before, I, I know I should have enough to do it with this mount but I don't think it was because my legs were so battered by that point and there's quite a lot of rough terrain to get across like the most roughest Scottish train boulders bogs heather until you finally got onto the the forest tracks and it wasn't until I got halfway down the forest tracks that I thought right I really have got this now and I can just enjoy and celebrate rather than stress about yeah. am I going to do it moving keep moving oh, yeah. keep pushing <laughs> What was the sorry? What was the accumulated gain? What of the round of the thirty-three? What was the elevation? You oh, got a tattoo. You, you got a tattooed on your arm. No, I'm not. I'm not a statistical person. That's why I'm running marathon. Is because ah. I never remember the date. Or well, John's um, got it, Jahan. John, what was it? Sorry, I've lost that page. <laughs> It's a fucking lot, anyway. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's around eight thousand meters. So, um, the reason why it's gone to the Cairngorms is because relatively it's not as much ascent for yeah. record rounds, but the distance is a lot longer. So it's hundred miles, but and eight thousand meters. Um, whereas. Uh, you cover 8,000 metres in the Bob Graham round, but it's only like 60, 62 miles or, or 66 miles. So, yeah. Uh, we should say as well, don't be scared by these numbers, people who are just starting out to run in the hills and things like this. There's a lot of preparation goes into this. And uh, you, you mentioned that's, that typical Scottish terrain. 
And you, you also just referred there to a marathon. People fall over nothing at the end of a marathon because they're knackered. But to have done 33 Monroe's and to be bombing down to that finish, is, it really is quite remarkable, quite remarkable. And maybe it's that time when the rubber band us right back to the start. Maybe it's that time spent in the gym when you're doing your strength and conditioning that's helping you there on the mountains. And these big dudes that are standing there in their lycra looking at themselves doing their bicep, they're not going to find them up at the top of Monroe. Any gym goers, I apologise profusely right now. Um, okay. What, the other thing I was wanting to say about that as well, though, was the you spoke quite a bit there as well about the lows. What about the mindset? Do you do mind? Do you do mental training as well as physical training? Uh, yeah, I guess there's over the years I've developed lots of different things that help me with that. Uh, I use a lot of, I say, positive self-talk in those real low mo- moments. Like I'll shout like you are strong or uh, you can do this uh, out loud and louder the better because it kind of means that you've got to do it and and I remember shouting at myself in the dark and, and the guy out in the front navigating turning around going what 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 what's going on no I'm just shouting at myself it's all right carry on <laughs> and, and it's that though so, so that thing really helps me uh visualization as well so before a, a big round actually trying to go through the route in your head um whether it's from if you've never been on it like google maps or uh, just a normal map and trying to visualize what are going to be the hard points where's it going to be low where might be good what where do i need to take food and where do i need to put the effort in uh, i think actually i can make some time here and and you try and create that images in your head and so that that often helps so you kind of think about problems as well beforehand and so you think okay what issues might I face so that when you face them they're not as bad as when they do hit and obviously you can't think of everything but there's the common ones yeah you know like your stomach goes or your legs aren't very feel I remember after 11 hours thinking how am I going to carry on like this I feel so rubbish but you go now I've been here before just got to keep going eat some more food because food sells everything and and you come good I mean you know you're not fresh like you are at the beginning but you've got energy gain and you can keep hiking well and and feel like you're pushing rather than uh, hanging on by your claws so but there's there's some different techniques there that really help help me and I suppose that's taken past experience as well isn't it you learn from things that you've done before and you bring them to the fore. And again, sorry, Stephen, I'm totally hogging this, but actually I'm not sorry, because I'm really, really, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation, but I feel a wee bit gully. Anyway, I'll go over that. Um, you've got obvious tops of mountains, right? But do, do you set yourself as well for something like that, be milestones in between, or is it literally the top and you're ticking them off as you go or are there bits in between where you're going right made that move on uh yeah for this it was mainly the, the tops and ticking the tops off and then you're ticking the legs off as well so you kind of split it up where 
you've got different support runners running a different part, section of it. So when you tick that leg off, you, you, that's out of the way, and then you move on to the next one. So that's kind of uh, the the valley points where you meet your new support runners. That's usually a tick point. But the, the key one is right on row done. Move on to the next one, and just keep focusing on what's what's in front of you, yeah. and then try not to think too far ahead. <laughs> that, that's that's always the problem. Eating eating the elephant, I like to call it. Yeah. I'm just saying most people go out and do one, maybe two Munros in a day and that's them. They're away home for a curry and a beer. You know? <laughs> it's quite staggering. Um I even, even now afterwards of these big record rounds with the peaks, just reflect on it, you think, actually how did I do that? Yeah, you know, it's even like I I find a struggle to work out how I physically did that in that time myself and comprehend it as a as a whole um so it wasn't until you actually go right let's let's try and break this down and, and give it a crack mm. um, and you find out whether you can or not brilliant it is quite astonishing well you're finding it hard to believe it and you've done it <laughs> so yeah, you were the, you were there you were there yeah. um can i ask as well you may not you may not have this information how long were you static for? Like when you're stopping and eating, did, but did anybody monitor that? How long you were static for? Very, very little, perhaps. Yeah, you probably count it on the under 10 minutes, maybe maybe less. In total? Actually, yeah, in total, being static. Wow, I hope Nikki Gibson listens to this. We had Nikki Gibson on last week and she was giving herself a hard time for stopping for six minutes in a, was it 100k yep. race? And it, oh, that's absolutely phenomenal. That's even more mind-blowing. Brilliant. Stephen, have you got any more questions for Kim about that Monroe attempt? Because I'm going well, to take them somewhere else. I have, but I could probably talk about it all night because I'm more interested in the... Which your what was your favourite Monroe things like that? But that, we'll we'll get that next time. We'll be fine. I just I'm in awe at, at, at the effort. It's the distance thing when you said about it being you know hundred miles odd. You know with twenty eight thousand foot of climb, almost the height of Everest in there as well. You know when you do reflect back on it, which you're obviously doing, and um, and you say to yourself, wow, must be pretty proud of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 when you cross that line and you get that big smile and it's something you look back on. What did you, when you cross that line? Because it's it's no a traditional finish line, isn't it? As such, there's no as if there's big crowds at either side and you're going up a boulevard. A bridge in the middle of nowhere with yeah. with your wife and and the dog and and right. a few others and <laughs> and, and that. And well, Kim, <laughs> what was your immediate do you know were you feeling like death warmed up at that point or were you elated enough to not just go crash no i was i was elated uh, broken but elated excellent and then and then main crashed very quickly after that aha uh-huh. right and you know what i'm just i'm going to go in reverse a wee bit because that was july this year 2021 we did the paddy buckley in april 2021 in July 2020, Kim also set another record in the Lake District, 
the Lake District 24-hour challenge by 15 minutes, covering, correct me if I'm wrong, 78 tops in 23 hours, 45 minutes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Now, as I said earlier, Steve and I have got history of the Lake District, right? <laughs> Recent history. Recent history. We were there in July this year. But, um, and I mentioned that I seen the lakes in a whole new light, and there is a hell of an elevation, but that, to do that in 23 hours and 45 minutes, to go 78 tops, again, that's quite astonishing. Was that a similar experience with regards to the time to prepare and then actually how the day transpired? Or was there something, was there, was there anything different about that? I know you're in a different bit of the world, obviously. Yeah, I guess that one kind of meant a lot more to me because it's, you know, your home fails and the record had been, you know, there's a whole centuries of, history to the late than 24 hour record of the first like hiking pioneers of how many tops could they do in a day um and, you know it started off as the big three and then it developed and there's a whole big book of it so and then uh 1997 was when mark hartel uh set the 77 peaks and he beat mark mcdermott who had beat joss naylor the legendary you know, that it said then that the record couldn't be beaten. So all that weight of history and late district fell running and to go and actually add another top onto that, it was, yeah, and, and at that stage, I, I didn't know I could do that at all. You know, that, that gave me the confidence to do the Paddy and the Monroes thinking actually mm. I need to replicate this form and then give it a go. But that was just, I, I had confidence in my ability to give it a good crack and I thought if everything went right it would happen but it was that right I've just got to run it race it and go for it and having the best support crew knowing all the route who really wanted it to be broken as well this really really helped on that day and, and I think I just had that a goal performance where everything flowed um, and it wasn't easy at the end. I, you know, I was pushing hard and breaking and and then it was coming down to, you know, am I going to make that last top in time? And is this going to happen? Uh, but it was just a special day, real, real special day. Quite a few special days, Kim. I do, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really happy, really, really happy that you mentioned Joss Naylor. We didn't speak about Joss Naylor enough, Stephen. Nope. Um, because he, well, literally, a legend of the sport, you know, and I think I've seen a lot of stuff on, I'm not sure if he does it, but there's a lot of stuff on Instagram just now about Joss Naylor. I'm, I'm, maybe it's somebody doing it on his behalf, but I think there's a there's a book and there's other stuff coming out just now about, and Joss is promoting that. So a wee shout out to, to Joss Naylor, who is brilliant. I also think it's brilliant, and who would have believed that what Joss achieved in the 70s and what you've done last year, I mean, that's a massive um, leap forward, doesn't it? You know, um, have you, I'm not expecting you to have the answer to this, Kim, right? But 
what's been the, whatever you take a stab at this, what's been the difference? How have things improved? Is it kit? Is it science, like food, nutrition? Uh, I wonder if there's a, a bit more focus for the goal in a sense that it's become more clarified to what you have to do to achieve it. Mm-hmm. So, I think just would have gone, okay, I could, I reckon I could do that and link those hills up and, and went and, and, and did it without sort of necessarily fine tuning it. But then the guys that came afterwards went, okay, how do we bring a bit of, okay, what can I do? How do I recce this? How do I learn it? And and, and set the route up to be able to add the extra tops and right. still get it in time. Um, yeah, you, you know, I wouldn't say they were necessarily quicker runners than Joss, you know, with his times on Ennardale Horseshoe, which, you know, he was a phenomenal runner. Um, mm. And none of us three that have broken his records would, would have ever run a time as quick as, it's Joss on that that fell race. So, um, however, you know, have we developed better endurance and learning how to um, in the ultra game? I don't know. I think probably we have. I think we've got better with the, the food and the nutrition, um, mm-hmm. getting the support right, uh, cutting out the, the free time. I think that's often you know the rest stops is an easy win for a lot of a lot of. Uh, the newer records is actually just mo- keeping moving all the time. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe that's now finally the, the the science is catching up into the the ultra scene. Uh, actually, we're kind of learning from the track world and that's been there for quite a long time, and we're we're starting to play catch up and do the things that we need to do to. To run fast and then move that into being able to run fast for long. That's a good point. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in the 80s, they kind of, in the 90s, they knew how to, they did a lot of training and a lot of volume and ran really hard. And it's only just now that we're starting to catch up with that that era again in the, in the fells and mountains, I think. Yeah. Um, I think competition has a large part to do it as well. But, you know, with Instagram world, that lots of runners are seeing the Killian Journeys, the, the Francois de Haines and, and the younger runners running the Sky Races and the Golden Series. And they, they want to be part of that. And then that's just driving, as soon as you get more and more people competing, it, it encourages people to get better. And I think that's moving into the ultra world, you know, just seeing the last few years, you know, Damon, John, myself, uh, Nikki, you know, all pushing each other um, to, to break those records. Yeah. And I think it just throws off each other. I suppose as well, we can think about that. There's different generations of pioneers, isn't there? You know, people that have done things and then, but where just, you mentioned the names you've mentioned yourself, Nikki, John, Damon, yourself. You're the pioneers just now of what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years' time. You know, so it's brilliant. That was very well put. I really thank you for that because I wasn't quite sure if there was an answer in there between what Joss did and where we are now. But thank you very much for that. Yeah, what well, I thought provoking things that you mentioned there, Kim. I'm still mulling it over. And also, 
you know, his kit, his kit even, do you know, his, his kit improved that much. You know how, like, golf clubs, you know, you can hit the ball further, or tennis rackets, you can hit the ball harder. Do you know, has the science of, do you know, footwear and has that, I, you know, in, the small in, margins well, there. Obviously, on the track and, and the road, the footwear is now a big gain, but uh-huh. that hasn't transferred to a fell shoe yet. Um, so it's still, you know, relatively the same shoe with, with some studs on, you know, whether yeah. it was a, um, uh, a Walsh back in the day or now an Innovate or a, the Sportiva Mutant or, you know, what it, yeah. you know, it's essentially a bit of rubber with some lugs in and. Yeah, although so, the marketing of the the marketing of some of these trainers would suggest that there's there's more to it, wouldn't you? <laughs> With yeah. new substances being found, that um, whatever. But yeah, it's um, I, I, and not just trainers, no, just kit in general and an awareness of what you need to succeed. You know, in in terms of on you and lightweight and things like that. There's there, there's lots of wee thoughts that you sparked off in my head there. So interesting. I'm sure that people will be thinking exactly the same. Uh, Stephen always comes to life when the kit discussion comes in. We've, we've got a term, Kim, um, schwanker. And it's, a, it's a shoe thing. Stephen's a big fan of shoes. Um, but you know what? Was Speaking about kit, you're obviously, you are sponsored by La Sportiva. Do you want to yeah. give a shout out to their kit? Because, I mean, all the photographs we see that you use, um La Sportiva stuff. John Kelly runs his La Sportiva as well. Of him, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. yeah. So you happy yeah. with it? Well, is he happy? You, you can't <laughs> say no to that. But do 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 you enjoy the kit that you get from La Sportiva? Does it make a difference for you? Yeah, I mean, having a pair of shoes that are comfortable and you trust to run downhill, you gotta you gotta have that confidence in your shoe that it, a it's gonna grip and you know when you put your foot down that you, you can rely on it otherwise it feels if you feel like you're skating on ice on some of the rock and stuff you just you can't hesitate like that so having a shoe that's grippy and reliable and and you know one that fits your shoe your foot i think mm-hmm. uh, not every shoe brand fits everyone's foot so you've also got to find that right comfortable shoe that works for you it gives you the confidence to do what it does um and doesn't give you blisters and all sorts of problems um and for me the sportiva shoes give that sort of support and generally they're really well made and kind of stand up often to the the terrain and the battering italian yeah italian family business um from from italy and it was a more of a climbing brand, wasn't it? Was it rather yeah, than uh, mountaineering climbing yeah. brand that come into more of the the running side as well? You know, they're known for climbing boots and and mountaineering boots and yeah. and, and now um, running shoes as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've they've summited Everest more than anybody else. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read something around about that. But George um, <laughs> Schwanker, there you go. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've, but but I do see, you know, a lot of Las Sportiva when I'm running an ultra, you know, a, tra- a trail ultra. They're, they're 
is it Bushido or the long distance sort of cushioned shoes you know it's really quite distinctive isn't it looking um, it, it catches my eye I've never ran in them myself but yeah I will at some point because I think like two though Stephen in the Lake District there's a lot of that yeah. slate slate carry on and if that gets kind of wet that must be a bit of a nightmare um, I'm interested to know That's have you sweet. got a full set of toenails can? no no, okay, because and I think good man, when because just when we were talking there that you're talking about it's important that you've got a, a shoe that you've got faith in and that you're comfortable in because that's when a lot of the damage can happen to your feet is when you're going down, isn't it? There's a lot of impact and stuff happening there, so it is important that you do have a good grippy shoe. There was one of the things in the lakes in the summer going down and it felt, to me, it felt almost vertical, right? <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't vertical, but it was this late and I was like, ah, thank God it's no wet because I would have just, for want of a better term, Scottish term, skated on my arse all the way down there, right? And there was people just skipping doing it and I'm going, how are they managing that? You know, I think I do. Well, it's their it's their good running, running in La Sportiva. It's their good running technique, but also they've maybe got decent shoes. I wear a pair of shoes I've had for about six years that I got in a sale, right? But maybe I need to invest in a new pair of shoes. Anyway, it's not about me. So La Sportiva, if you're listening, I will tag you in. We'll tag you in. <laughs> um, right. So we spoke quite a bit about some of the stuff that you've done and you've been successful in but if you wouldn't mind I'd like to ask you about the Dragon's Back race the, the most recent event that you entered so you want to speak a wee bit about that yeah so uh, it kind of links into why I'm in the gym as well in in a sense I thought right let's have the Monroes initially I had an entry to UTMB but decided to defer because of the situation and thought, right, I'm not going to risk it. And then, right, had what I do instead. So I signed up for Dragon's Back Race, um, which is a six-day race across Wales and really, really tough race. Um, and, you know, I got to the start line and I ran, well, I went off really quite hard with, uh, the two lead guys, Russell and Simon, and there was me, and we were pushing hard. And then uh, my uh, glute uh, medius, uh, on top of my ass, basically started to uh, throb and ache, and, and it was kind of a, a telltale sign of a recurring injury starting to happen. So basically I dropped out of the race on day one of, of six, knowing that it wasn't going to last for the whole six days. So it kind of relates to, yes, I recovered really well after the Paddy Buckley and carried it onto the Monroes, but the Monroes I dug so deep and and then tried to carry on as you do. It's the summer, it's nice weather, and you, you try and find the fitness again. And I, and I hadn't done the strength and conditioning work that I know I need to do to keep to run this sort of level in the mountains and keep my body in one piece. So, yeah, you know, you reflect on it and think, yeah, that's why I, I, it went wrong because I didn't do the hard work post the Monroes that I would have needed to do the Dragon's Back. But 
you know, sometimes you win some and you lose some, but it's, it's recognising it. So I think I had a couple of beers for two nights in a row to drown my sorrows and be miserable. And, and you know, as you do, with a, a poor result or a, a DNF and you like do that bit of soul searching and, and then, and then you go, right, put that aside, I've done the reflection. And then you, you start doing the hard work again. So that was the start of a start strength and conditioning. Luckily, it was only a minor injury, a bit of rest and doing the appropriate work means I'm running again and running well again now so that I can go, right, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to correct. And there's, there's always the next race to look forward to and the next challenge and next goal. So, yeah. Um, and also making that decision at the end of day one was quite critical as well then yeah um but for me knowing through experience that if you kind of push through and push through that that's just going to get worse and develop and um you know if it'd been day four or you know later on in the race then you think okay this is worth it i, I can suffer this pain to finish this race and it will mean a lot to do that um, but day one you know I enjoy my running I enjoy being able to get out and having a long-term injury it's nothing worse when you're a runner yeah. having a long-term injury and and I, and I didn't want that and I knew that's where that we could head to. to so for me now for that long-term well-being and happiness and being able to run and train and correct it was was the right choice for me um, at the time. You know, one of the questions that we often ask is about tips and tricks. Not you know tricks, tips about about running. That's a massive bit of learning right there, isn't it? If you're if you're sore and you recognise it as being sore, stop and let it get fixed rather than make it worse. So because yeah. you're you're going to be out the game longer to to be fully recovered i'm actually listening to that myself right now because uh, we, we all we all in our time we think oh that's that's nothing and then you you run through it and you keep running through it and and it and it never kind of quite goes away um and it becomes a long lingering thing rather than if i just took two days or three days of concentrated rest and did a bit of stretching and a, a bit of like specific work on that area for strengthening it it, you know you'll be back running and 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 it calms down uh, but too often we we ignore that and and carry on because we're stubborn and we're ultra runners and <laughs> we're, we're we're determined and so yeah we've got run streaks to keep up or whatever like things like that you know it's yeah right. exactly <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of tough conditions as well for dragons back wasn't it the weather was really oh, no. muggy humid it was, what was it? It was the hottest day in September Scottish day in 100 years, wasn't it? So, yeah. And I mean, it was the same sort of heat in, in Wales those first two days uh, down there. And, and, and it kind of it was that humidity element to it as well. There was no real wind. It was muggy. Yeah. So for some, it's just caused that massive overheating. They're just not used to that level of heat. Um, and, and it's a tough event anyway and in a normal weather year to, for a lot of people to make the cutoffs to get through it you suddenly had heat and it just becomes 
attritional and is it 75% of people didn't make the finish that started? I think it's the highest ever, isn't it? I think it's the highest. Yeah. It's a mental, I was looking at that it's a, it's a mental event in terms of not like mental, you know, it's six days and I really, really admire the race organisers. It must be the logistical operation that goes behind that race because, you know, the whole sort of encampment moves each. It's, it's, it's a monster. The You can understand the kind of cost of it when you go there and see it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, and you see what a logistical thing it is to move all the marquees, all the tents that are put up for you down up all the food the catering yeah tons of it that created um, and catered for you it's just a mile and, and this is like remote fields in wales and then the tiny lanes and and then all the safety support on the hill yeah um, as well it's yeah so that infrastructure and logistics and that operation respect to the um the the huge team who will be behind that it's like marathon de sabways is is maybe um gets a bit of bad press because the price of it and this in comparison is an absolute bargain <laughs> yeah it is really really well run uh, uh-huh. and if you want a really hard mountain challenge uh, uh then it is is one of those bucket list events that you must do i think johnny in what a John, no. <laughs> when the entry's open, no, 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 no. But Kim just used the term bucket list, a perfect segue into the next question. Of a segue. Now, for those of you who um, have read the sort of places that Kim's ran in the world, there are a lot of. We spoke about it at the start. Some of your your favourite places to run, and you mentioned some of the places. Is there a bucket list for Kim Collison? Yeah, the the Tour de Jean, what I you know, watched it over several years and thinking, yeah, that's one I really like to. And having been to the the valley where it's held, it's just like, yeah, this this is a race that I want to do. Um, and and I kind of moving in that direction of longer ultras um, as well. So that's that's on the bucket list. Uh, there's this race called La Pica Pica which is in the Spanish Pyrenees. And the tagline is a race for mountaineers designed by mountaineers. Uh, and it goes up to 3000 meters, like the top of the Pyrenees. And, and having run Els 2900 a couple of years ago, which, which links all the highest peaks in Andorra as a race, it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, and it's just an amazing place to run and proper if you if you like rough running and technical stuff and and a real like mountaineers challenge in race this race sounds like it's it's for me uh, so that that's definitely become on the bucket list as well um you know there's a few others yeah. I the idea of does does Barclay appeal and, and i kind of think it does kind of appeal um, we've just got to work out how to write a good letter. Yeah. <laughs> start that process of seeing if I can get into that or not. That would be um, something else. The, um, yeah, Laz, if you're listening. That's a healthy list, yeah. I know that's that. <laughs> and you know what's brilliant? What's brilliant? Some of the things that you've achieved, Kim, that we spoke about, 
them being mind blowing. The phenomenal achievements, almost superhuman stuff. But to see your face light up when you're speaking about your bucket list events you would like to do, um, the Todd is yours. Well, we've got a friend that's on the course just now. Yeah. Ali, you know, that can give us, give you loads of uh, tips and advice. And also, Debbie Kinsani did Todd is oh, yours yes. before as well. Yeah. So, She's um, always, she'd always be keen to regale her, her, her. She's got a brilliant blog on her experience. Warts and all, knowing Debs, um, it's well worth a, um, I was going to say five minutes, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> Debs blog, so maybe 45 minutes of your well, time. You know what? What, is, what comes across though is your passion for running, and we spoke about it way at the start. What does running bring to you? And I think it's quite evident what it brings to you. It brings you joy. You know, and yeah, it brings you joy. Um, we always, Stephen, we've mentioned this dialect dictionary. All right, okay. Am I getting to, to ask a question now? Absolutely quick, quick. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Kim. Um, we like to ask our guests to um, propose a word to enter our dialect dictionary, Young Hearts Run Free Dialect Dictionary, and that could be a word from where you were brought up, a word from that you've picked up on your travels, or maybe from where you live now that's a bit unique to that area. So, yeah, over to you. I guess my word's got to be uh, a geezer. Geezer. Oh. As, as I'm from um, my Hempstead, Hertfordshire, and it's kind of edge of London, um, a, a geezer or a diamond geezer. Uh, diamond geezer, so it's a good thing. Good thing. A, a geezer. A geezer. We, what's the Scottish equivalent of a geezer, John? A good I've guy. Never, I've never used it. <laughs> I will go with that. I was going somewhere else. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say something a lot more rude. I was going to go somewhere else. It begins with a, a C and ends in runt. But <laughs> we'll not do that. A couple Yeah, it's got different connotations. But I think in Scotland, it's, it can be a positive. It can be an affirmation of you being a good guy. But uh, there's no doubt that a diamond geezer is a good guy. Yeah. Definitely. So straight in dialect. Thank you, Kim. I'm just taking a breath. John, John, <laughs> breath. You think he just ran up a Monroe? Yeah, this is brilliant. I really, really enjoy. It. I think we should draw this to a close, Stephen, because it's getting quite late, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, Kim's been very generous with his time. Um, we've only really spoke about the last two, maybe three years. I would love to. There's, you've got such a rich history, Kim. It'd be good, and if you, uh, want, if you want to come back another time, and we could speak a wee bit more, that'd be that'd be brilliant. Yeah. I also notice on your you've you've got a website, KimCollison.co.uk. Just give that a shout out for you, Kim. Um, that you improve people's navigation. So John and I both need to speak to you with some recent faux pas that we've had. Um, oh, I'm all right. But uh, well, mine's come in actual races. John's tend to just be geographical faux pas that <laughs> happen often. So, yeah, just drop that in there. <laughs> we we may be in touch. We should also mention too, Kim. You do you provide coaching for runners as well? Do you want to say a wee bit about that? Uh, yeah, I am. Um, 
I guess part of the passion of the running is is transpired into uh, into the coaching side and trying to help others with that passion and joy and, and getting that smile at the end of big ultras and challenges. And so I've got a young lad that I'm coaching and I have done for a few years. And, and then I've got some seasoned ultra runners that want to do really well. And having that full range of different runners is brilliant um, to coach. Uh, and, and so it's just trying to share that joy and passion and knowledge and experience. Um, and also for me, it's a way of transitioning as well. Um, you know, obviously I'm now 41, you reaching the peak, but it's an area to for me to learn and grow and develop and become as a good a coach as a, as I am a runner. Um, and I'm still got a long way to go there. And it's always that curve of learning as you go. And that's part of the joy for me for coaching, um, which, is, which is good. Yeah. And are there openings just now? Do you have any openings for? At, at the moment, I'm pretty, pretty rammed because running a few records kind of helps. Um, and yeah. I still like to run myself. So I have to kind of, it's a time, time resource thing if you if you kind of want to do it well you uh -huh. have to kind of limit sure. your time so you're getting that balance right isn't it got yeah. a waiting list i <laughs> it's not for me i've no, I've no I, kim just confirmed to me i'm past my peak so that's cool <laughs> no but that's uh, good and you know what kim's website is uh it's a great resource as well and if you do not do nothing else Go and look at the grimaces and smiles page because it really that that made me really happy looking at that. Um, there's a whole range of different types of runners in there that um, that Kim's helped. So have a good look at that. So Stephen, we'll yeah. wrap this up. We will wrap this up, but we'll not take up any more of your time, Kim. And thank you again for being so generous. That's been real interesting. I'm going to really enjoy listening to that one back, um, which. We do. We, we like listening to ourselves, but we like listening to the guests better because sometimes it doesn't all quite sink in. And there was quite a few things that you were talking about that I need to think about. So thank you for that thought-provoking content. Thank you. thank you for having me on your, your podcast. It's been brilliant. No worries at all. It's been um, great to meet you. And it's one of the things that we've loved about doing this podcast is just the range and... Um, how do we say? What's the right word, John? The the range of people, but also the how lucky we are to get to to chat to you for an hour or so of your time. It's it's really appreciated. Yeah. I think something that Kim had said when putting a crew together for a support and doing a round, it's about the wee connections that you make. And I think it's we've made a couple of connections. Steve and I've been very fortunate and blessed to be able to get conversations like this tonight with yourself. So yeah. Thank you very much for your time, Kim, and the very best of luck for all your future endeavours. Thank you. Thank you.